are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 163 and 164 of reading through the Bible, but really and mostly talking through the Bible. Mm. You have, uh, if this is, you know, let's pretend someone, this is your first time. You just clicked on... (laughs) day 163 and 164 that'd be amazing if you got this episode because if you've been following us I never say this but if you're just joining us for the first time we are reading through the Bible and we're talking about it and this is the tradition for thousands of years you pass things orally you sit around the fire and you talk about the most important stories in your life your lives but how they intersect with the life and the story of God And this is how we build cultures. This is how we understand what's going on around us. This is how we find meaning and purpose and know what to do in life. So you have tuned in to the right things by listening to us. Boom. Boom. Our Old Testament reading for today is 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 19 through chapter 21. Where are we, Matt? Well... I was just playing guitar. Absalom... Uh, went and attacked David. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, following the advice of David's advisor, Hushai. Uh, and it went poorly for Absalom. Absalom got stuck in a tree with his hair. Joab found him and killed him. So That's right. This is the second guy Joab has killed that David has specifically said, do not kill. Right. Do not kill Abner. <clears throat> Joab kills him. Do not kill Absalom. Joab kills him. And Joab knows this is not going to go well, so one of the um, enthusiastic youngsters... Uh, yeah, one of the... Ahimaaz. Ahimaaz. A son of Zadok says, let me go and be the messenger of the good news. But Joab says, no, let me send a Cushite, because I don't know how David's going to respond to the death of... Um, of Absalom when he specifically said, like, don't kill Absalom. So I think it's a great, um, it's one of those moments in the Bible that kind of supports other moments. So you have the idea of the messenger. So when you're at war, yep. you send somebody by foot running. Mm-hmm. This is where we get marathon, you know, the idea of marathon, like yes. the guy runs whatever a marathon is, 26 and a half miles or something. But anyway, um, so the Cushite is running back to the camp Mm-hmm. But then the son of Zadok, Amehahaz, he decides to follow him. So you have the king sitting there um, on the watchtower. There's a guy on the lookout, and mm-hmm. he says, Hey, king, here comes the messengers. And they look, and they say, There's two. At first, he's like, Good. This, well, this one is bringing good news. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to figure out good news. But when you see two, I thought of this today. I was reading it going, Oh, yeah, there, there he is. He's going to bring good news, king. I think we've won. But then you see another one, and you're like thinking, oh, good news, bad news. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what this is. But the link for me to the other parts of the scripture um, is when Isaiah says, how beautiful are the feet that carry good news. the good news. And mm-hmm. how beautiful, um, there's somewhere in the New Testament, too, where it's talking about, oh, the, the, um, the, the what is it called? The sword of the spirit, the armor of mm-hmm. faith, right? And it's like feet shod with the message of peace. Yes, yes, yes. So like all these are what's happening here mm-hmm. is um, when we carry the gospel, we're literally, it's like seeing someone coming back from war announcing the war is over and we have won. Yes. And so that's what witnessing, that's what 
bringing the message of the gospel to people is. Mm-hmm. So I just like that idea. We see it here. <clears throat> we'll we'll kind of see it, and it'll be alluded to in our Christian lives because we're kind of called to that um, in some ways. So uh, Ahimaaz, the, back son, to the, real story. the yeah. son of the priest, uh, outruns the Cushite, right. uh, gets there in his exuberance, um, tells, tells the king, we won, we're victorious. And the first question out of David's mouth is... How's Absalom? Uh, yeah, how's my son? And this is where Ahimaaz yeah. uh, chickens out. And yes. it's like, ooh, uh, I don't. There was like a commotion when I left. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is we won. We won. And then, yeah. then he's like, step aside, because now the Kushites are running up. <clears throat> and he's like, asks the same question. The Kushite says the same thing. We won. We were victorious. And the king instantly is, how's Absalom? And now the Kushite though says, your enemy is dead. Yeah. May all the enemies of the king end up like that young man. This is what's so fascinating to me is I feel a lot of times like the first guy. You Mm want to be a messenger and tell people the good news of Christ. (laughs) But there's bad news too. So what about my friends? What about like, what about these things I really like? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, they're going to have to die. Yeah. Or there is such a place as hell. And as a messenger, you have to be, as, if you want to keep being a messenger, you have to be totally honest. Yeah. And so he does chicken out because um, he's scared because Joab's like, you don't, wanna, you don't know, David might kill you. Yeah. Everybody else has brought news like this has been killed. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but as, so I'm now jumping forward to our lives. It's like, you know what? Sometimes you're not going to be liked when you're delivering the good, the message, but you got to do it. So David then, he starts grieving. And remember, they're not back in Jerusalem yet. They're still across the Jordan yeah. and camped out for war. And so he's mourning to the point where all the soldiers, instead of coming back rejoicing, like they just had, they just won the mm-hmm. Super Bowl, they're all slinking back into camp as if they've lost. Yes. And that's where, um, as we get into, and you know, David says the thing that all parents say, I wish it were me. Mm-hmm. Absalom, oh, Abs- Absalom, and he's wailing, and he's mm-hmm. so, my son, my son, you know, so he's, he's missing the bigger picture here. He's totally locked into, I've just lost my son. Yeah, I've lost another son. Right. And then Joab, who is kind of the voice of reason, he's making a lot of things happen for David. He, yes. He's like, David, God bless you, but your sign of mourning here is doing two things. First of all, it's saying, You'd be, would you be happy if we all died and Absalom was alive? That's mm-hmm. what it's saying. Yes. And second of all, we're all going to turn on you in another day of this. We're, we're no wondering. No one's going to be with you. We're kind of thinking Absalom was right. You're mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you better get to the people and assure them that you're still king. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of where the shift in the story goes. It's like David now realizes I have to reestablish that I am the king. Yes. And so he's got some work in front of him. Do you have anything else? So Joab, no. I think, acts in a great way there. But now David is starting to return to Jerusalem. I will say this. So about Joab, yeah. I think Joab is always acting in David's best interest or trying to act in David's best interest. But he's always, but he usually is sometimes, or he does it in his own strength. And right. def- will defy and go against what David has said because he's like, I know what's best for David. Yeah. So I will say that for him because, again, he does like confusing things that we're like, oh, okay. 
Well, David gets <clears throat> kind of tired of Joab because in the next section he says to Amasa. So Amasa, another nephew, uh, Joab's cousin, right? Uh, who was Absalom put him in charge of the army that w- just went against David. And so Amasa was the commander of the army that just fought David right. and lost. And so now David's thinking, he's playing the game. Yeah. He's like trying to resecure everything. David's no fool. And he's like, and so the question right now is everyone who is with Absalom and Amasa is, is David going to pursue us and kill us all? And David's going, no, I don't want to do that. In fact, I want to restore everyone. So Amasa, you're now the commander of my army. And it sways back, because remember, he's losing the hearts of Judah. Yes. Because uh, Absalom was from the tribe of Judah, his son. Yeah. And so that's kind of where this all got stirred up. And so um, by taking, replacing Joab with Amasa, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, you guys can all trust me. But you know how it goes. Joab, Joab is like, ah, oh, come on, David, what are you doing? What are you, come on. Yeah, and, this guy just was fighting against you. Well, and in, betw- <laughs> in between all this, so, okay, so that, that's the, that gets set up. But now David starts his journey back to... Jerusalem. Uh, over the Jordan, mm-hmm. back into Jerusalem. And so all the characters on his way out, he kind of revisits. Yes. And offers peace and forgiveness. And they're kind of restoring and re-upping like, hey, we want to bless you. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a nice little scene. You see Shemei, the son of Gera, the Benjamite who was throwing rocks and cursing. Mm-hmm. He now is like, hey, forgive me. Uh, I'm sorry. Because he realizes, yeah. who knows what his motives are, but he just realizes, oh, David's the king on his way back. And, mm-hmm. and David's men are like, well, should we kill him? David says, no, no one should die. We're, I'm mm-hmm. trying to restore all of Israel, not just Judah. Mm-hmm. So he shows, he shows mercy there. And then Mephibosheth is like, dude, Ziba, Ziba came down and was acting like, I'm, I'm ready to fight for you. And, mm-hmm. and, and Mephibosheth is like, I was all ready on my horse to go with you, David, and my servant totally threw me under the bus and lied to me. Yes. And lied to you. And then David's like, okay, well, I promised Ziba all your stuff, so he can he have half of it? And Mephibosheth is like, I don't even care. He can yeah. have all of it. Yeah. And I realize Mephibosheth, what he likes is the kindness and the table fellowship with yeah. David. And I feel like that with God sometimes. Like, Jesus <clears throat> gives us these things, and sometimes it's like, you know what? <laughs> I just want, I want to sit at your table. Yeah. And so that's a sweet thing that happens with Mephibosheth. Uh-huh. Uh, and then he is like rewarding the people on the east side of the Jordan that yeah, helped him. That so, aren't Israel, but they're well, the, help, they're uh, kind of like <clears throat> Gilead. Uh, he, he's from Manasseh, uh, Barzali. Sounds like a a good fella. Yeah, Barzali. He's yeah. bringing the cannoli. Yeah, exactly. So um, he's an older uh, prince of Manasseh. Yeah, uh, and he's. Going with David, he's leading David back, and David's like, you should just come live with me, but he's older, he's in his 80s, and he's like, nah, but take my son, and so he takes his son, and um, and then, yeah, yeah, he uh, is just trying to get across the Jordan, gets across the Jordan, lands at Gagal, which I love, whenever anyone crosses the Jordan from going from east to west, they end up at Gilgal. Yeah, it's get some. It's a coffee break. Um, thank you, sir. Yes, it's uh, it's very interesting, and I don't know if this happened last time at Gilgal, Gilgal, but this is where, as we go into chapter twenty, 
there's kind of a dispute again. Like David's like, have Judah bring me back. Like to show good faith, I'm of Judah. Mm-hmm. This is where all the trouble started and it's confusing the rest of Israel. So have Judah come and bring us back. But then this has happened somewhere else, like where there's a victory and Ephraim shows up late, like, hey, why didn't yeah. you tell us? Or, yeah. And so there's kind of like this tribal rivalry mm-hmm. now because the rest of Israel is going, well, no, we'll bring David in. We are the ones who helped. Judah, you were the ones that caused all this problem. Mm-hmm. Judah's like, how does it say? But the words of the men of Judah were fiercer than the words of the men of Israel. Yes. So they're like, no, giving them the stare, like, yeah. no, talking through clenched teeth. <laughs> we will take our brother David back to his home. <laughs> something like that. Because however it went down, it was fierce. Because And, and it was, yeah, because it was enough to... To set... Um, Another re because remember this whole thing was tenuous coming in with Israel mm-hmm. and the house of Judah. Yes, like so David was king of Judah for seven years before all Israel received him. This mm-hmm. is after the death of Saul, mm-hmm. so you can't forget like we might be twenty years into his reign, things have been going good, but that's not even a generation back of remembering. Right, uh, everyone has a quick trigger finger, yeah. like oh we remember the tribes and how you disrespect mm-hmm. us and how you killed Saul. You probably hate the tribe of Benjamin. You probably hate the Ephraimite. Mm-hmm. Like you hate these people. And David has to like be very um, diplomatic. And so, of course, because the men of Judah are like this, there's a rebellion of Sheba, a Benjamite, right? Mm-hmm. Sheba, the son of Berchi. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, he's bringing back up this old fight. Like, you know what? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. Yeah. This guy's amassing all this wealth and he's going to cut us out. Yeah. So and everyone agrees. They're like, oh, yeah, you might be right. A good amount of Israel agrees and follows Sheba as they uh, they refuse to lead David into Jerusalem. <coughs> Sorry. Whoa, bless you. Sneezing. Woo. Well, the king then says to Amasa, because <clears throat> Joab has kind of been out now, call the men of Judah uh, together to me and within three days and be here yourself. Yeah, because he's like, we're going to go after this is Amas- Sheba. This is Amasa's first big job. And yeah. so you don't know if Amasa's being like, oh, I, don't, I don't really want to be here. I still hate you, David. Or if he's just not good at his job. Yes, because he... He delays. He and delays. screws up the plan of David. And David's like, oh, I miss... You know, so now he has practically to- speaking, I really miss the efficiency of Joab. <laughs> of Joab and Abishai. And so then he has to talk to them and says, okay, you know what? You guys go. And you bring, uh, you you get Sheba. But you know that's also a political, a good political move may not always be a good social move, because who knows? Maybe the people weren't um, obeying Amasa as quickly. Like mm-hmm. there's confusion. Yeah. Like oh now he's telling us what to do and they're looking for Joab. Yeah. And so maybe it wasn't Amasa's fault. Maybe in history Amasa's reading this going it wasn't my fault you guys it was a really hard job, <laughs> and he's not wrong. So it all breaks out. Um, Joab then confronts, meets up with Amasa. Mm-hmm. And long story short, kills him. Yeah. Joab does. This is Joab's third A. <laughs> so the triple A club. Yeah. Joab's in the triple A club. He's killed three people with the name that starts with A that David has said or assigned not to be killed. Yes. Abner. Who was, who was making the deal and mm-hmm. kind of uniting the kingdom, turning over uh, Ish-bosheth or whatever. Yeah. Absalom, the son of David, who also turned against David. And now Amasa, he kills him. I mean, and also, two of them are from his own family. Right. Absalom and Amasa 
are both part of his family. So this is not easy for Joab. It's not like Joab is like a bloodthirsty guy, but Joab understands the bigger picture. So he's like the guy who gets what has to be done yeah. to keep unity and to keep things moving forward. So uh, you read this and you think, oh, it's just bloodthirsty people and they're depraved. But no, it, this is all the political stuff that's happening now even. Mm-hmm. And the people with the conviction to do it, you start to look at things like murder as... That's just something that has to be done. Yeah, and it's so... It's disconnected, you know? Again, we're not saying, like, what Joab did was right. No, no, no. But we're saying, in his own eyes, I think he was believing, I am protecting David and the kingdom. Yeah, and this is what's confusing about mm-hmm. the Bible. If you read it for, like, a guide, tell me what to do and how to behave. I am a robot. How do I please my God by doing this, this, and this? No, mm-hmm. this, Bi- this book's going to confuse you totally. Because it's relational. And so in relationships, people make uh, game time decisions. Yes. And then you reassess those and go, hey, dude, that was bad. But in the moment, in the moment, you're like, that worked out. Oh, here's the ramifications of making that decision. Mm -hmm. And so it's not as clear cut. But Joab kills. But Joab also is going after um, Sheba, Sheba, who's starting a rebellion Mm -hmm. and is breaking up the household of God. See, it's always more confusing than we like to think. Yeah, so, and it seems like once, like, they kind of get Amasa out of the way and, and like, move his body from the road from where he was dead, yeah. like, all the troops kind of just unite back under Joab. They're like, Joab, oh, yeah, sweet they're Joab. Like, they're like, okay, this is right. This is where we were before. Let's just do that. It's, it's just like new Coca-Cola. They introduced new Coke. This is in the 80s. Oh, yeah. When I, I remember they introduced new Coke. And then they brought back Old Coke, and everyone's like, oh, thank God. Yes. Joab is Old Coke. Yes. And so, uh, again, so when all chaos is breaking loose, I would say, Matt, as we're 164 days into this book, pretty consistently women show up to clean up our messes. (laughs) I mean, would you say, like, it's a weird, every, like, out of 164 days, like, every feels like every 15 days or so there's like a solid woman story where yeah. it's like hey y'all you're being dum-dums <laughs> let me offer you some wisdom since now you're ready to listen and so he's sieging this like yeah, little so village joab goes finds the city that he's that sheba is hiding in right. sieges it he's like ready to just tear this little town apart and all of a sudden, a woman comes to the wall. A wise woman. So she's known in that city as being wise and somewhat like a, almost like a judge, like a Deborah character. Mm-hmm. And she says, can we talk? And he's <laughs> like, sure. Um, I'm peaceable and faithful in these. Like, this is a faithful and peaceable city. Yes. Right? Why do you seek to destroy a city that is a mother in Israel? Mm-hmm. Why will you swallow up the heritage of the Lord? And then, like, this is perfect. Like, a... She's just saying, this is our heritage. Like, we've been given these. We have so much history here. What are you doing? And it kind of snaps Joab. Like, Joab is, like, really quick to respond to stuff like this. Yeah, he's got an open heart. And I mean, he, he's sure he has blood still on his, like, belt from killing a dude. But he's pretty sensitive. Because <laughs> yeah. instantly he's like, I don't want to destroy this city. He's like, that is not true. Far be it from me. And, um, and then he tells the story. And she's like, uh, you know what? I have a solution. Tell us who you want, and the whole city will work for you. We'll work smarter, not harder, Joab. Let's keep your hands like free from st- any more uh, you know, blood-soaked fingernails, yes. under the fingernails there. So she says, we'll give you Sheba. 
Yeah. Okay. And sure enough, she gets the city. They cut off Sheba's head. And they don't even want to deal with Joab, it sounds like. They yeah. throw his head over the wall. Yeah. And that's enough for Joab. And Joab can pick it up and go, this isn't paper mache. Yeah. You're not uh, aiding like, and abetting. So, cool. And so this little sweet scene that I don't really remember ever reading. Yes. Is in here where... Uh, I think, too, like the wisdom of God and the love of God is to never destroy more people. Right. And that's where even Jesus comes in. Like, he would much rather pour out all the wrath and all the death and violence on his one son mm -hmm. than all these people who bear his image. Would He would rather do that. And mm -hmm. so you see that little scene and like a little foreshadowing of Christ, again, in a wonderful, wise woman. Yes. Which then, makes me say, why is everyone... Ah, never mind. I won't even say it. Okay. okay. So then Joab is like, awesome, we're done here. <laughs> like, yeah. And he, they go back to Jerusalem, and then... Uh, so then, everything's kind of restored. Yeah, and they go through the list of, here's David's um, leaders and officials, and let's list them all out here. So they take care of the physical things that have happened, like, yeah. to restore David... This has been an awful scene. So we've seen two awful scenes, the scene mm -hmm. with Bathsheba mm -hmm. that resulted in death. And now we've seen another awful one with his son, which is kind of all connected. But then something very interesting happens in chapter 21. There's a famine. And so when I first read this, I know enough of the story now to go, whoa, famines are not what God intended for our relationship to the earth. Right. Something's wrong. Right. So when you read famine or sickness or death, like this is not right. And sure enough, I don't even know... Um, David does the thing. At least he's still connected to God. Oh, yeah. And so he's like, but I wonder, three years? So here's the, to me, I don't know if this is true. You can help me. Do you think David waited to say, Lord, what's going on for three years of famine? Because in a weird way, it's comforting. It's sad, but it's comforting. Because I think of David as so much better than me. Uh -huh. But that sounds like something I might do. Live with something that's obviously awful, but maybe I'm disconnected from its real hurt because mm -hmm. I'm king. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not really hungry. I'm not really connected to how the food is grown or something yeah. where it takes three years before he's like, Lord, uh, I need to seek your face. What's the deal? Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe that's true. I, I don't know the facts on that. but Yeah, it, they're pretty vague. It does seem, though, like... It feels like something that our human year, nature would do. And David sought the face of the Lord. And, yeah, I mean, it sounds like because he seeks the face of the Lord, he gets immediate response mm -hmm. and deals with it. So, to me, I'm going... He probably waited three years. As soon as we... Because he's got a lot of problems, right? Yeah, and he probably didn't really realize. I know. Isn't that crazy, though? But I think about myself... I'm trying to get better. When something's off, instead of waiting and just trying to let it turn on its own, Lord, what's going on? And mm -hmm. Okay, so that's crazy enough. But then the Lord says, um, the earth is suffering, your reign is suffering because of unresolved sin of Saul. Right. Like, you're connected to Saul. You knew that. That's why you didn't kill him. Mm -hmm. And the anointing of the Lord was on him, and you carry that. Yeah. But sin must go punished. Yeah. That's what's crazy. Like, Saul's dead. We think, oh, all that he did is dead with him. But it's not. The sin, like, and at first I think, oh, God, why can't you just let it go? Mm -hmm. But we want a God who is just. Yeah. And he can't just let murder, he can't just let awful things go. Like, mm -hmm. if somebody takes, does something awful to you and your family, and then that person, the, the murderer, dies, you can't just act like nothing happened, you know? Right. 
And so God says that. And and then I'm just working through how David is connected and the people of God are connected. Mm-hmm. To the sins. To the sins of Saul. Because he was the leader and representative of the nation. I know. Mm-hmm. So essentially God says, um, Saul broke the deal. Now it was a trick deal back with Joshua. It, yes. was, the, it was connected to the... The Gibeonites. Gibeonites. And they were the ones who tricked and uh, said, oh, we're from far away. Yeah. Make a vow with us. And then they became like their servants, their yeah. slaves. And they were supposed to be eradicated because they were in the promised land. But instead they became servants and all of Israel knew we made a vow. We're not going to wipe them out, but they're going to be our servants. Mm-hmm. Well, and Saul. So Saul, apparently, this is not recorded anywhere else. So right. apparently Saul like tried to wipe them out. It's crazy. And... Uh, and so the Lord, even though they were supposed to be originally wiped out, uh, also honors promises made by his people. Right. And so he's like... In his name. And you, you promised these people sanctuary in my name. So you broke a promise in my name. So you got to make this right. Get them in front of you and make it right. Yeah, because we're all in his name. Mm-hmm. So when someone makes a vow in his name and breaks it, yeah. We're all part of that. You're a representative of the Lord now, and Ooh. so now you're making so what is a mockery that, of his name. What does that mean for vows of marriage, or what does it mean for vows of baptism, or vows of the Lord's Supper? We're connected. Well, I know what it means. It means thank you, Jesus Christ, for forgiving us of our sins and, yeah. and bearing it. But, but he has to make it right. So what happens next? So he gets the Gibeonites in front of him and is basic and asks them, like, uh, I recognize that Saul did you wrong, and as a leader, I have not made any moves to make it right. So, please, what do I have to do to make atonement for the sin uh, that was committed against you? And so, they clearly state, we don't want money or gold, we want uh, seven sons of Saul. Wow. And seven we want to hang them, and and then we're fine. That's... <laughs> It sounds like um, a motorcycle club. Seven Sons of Saul. Yeah. <laughs> sons of Anarchy versus yeah. the Seven Sons of Saul. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right. So he does it. So he does it. That would be Mephibosheth, and there's no way David's given up Mephibosheth. He didn't. I know, but this is where I figure mm-hmm. out. I thought Mephibosheth was like it for Saul, but Saul still has, there's still Benjamites out there. Yes, and so the idea, too, is that... Uh, these sons were most likely involved yeah. in uh, the persecution of the Gibeonites as well. And so that's why they're gathered oh, for man. restitution. Uh, so It's like the crimes of the Nazis, like for years afterwards, mm-hmm. they're figuring out who was who. Yes, and so uh, he gives them to the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites uh, hang them. Um, yeah, the whole... Um, yeah, hanging, and then again, you got the women kind of acting like how we see the women at Jesus' burial. Like there's certain women who show up and are helping to, yeah. to uh, and mourning, but so keeping one away of, the birds. One of the moms, because again, all these sons were from different like concubines yeah. and, and wives of Saul, and so one of the moms, uh, she goes out and protects the bodies of the sons from uh, the wildlife, from the scavengers. And then when David hears about this, he then does, like, again, a, like, a very sweet thing. Mm-hmm. And, again, very honoring of Saul. He gets the bones of Saul and Jonathan from Jabesh Gilead, who went and uh, 
got them out of the temple of the Philistines. Yeah. And then he gathers up the bones of the seven sons that were hung, and he puts them all in the tomb of Kish, which was the uh, father of Saul, and buries them in the land of, with, of Saul, of his forefathers. All these guys care about bones. Mm-hmm. It's really cool because Jesus cares about our bones. Mm-hmm. God cares about where we're buried because there's a resurrection coming. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really cool. Um, he does them right because we're all connected by the faith in mm-hmm. God. So no matter, like, all the bad things that Saul did, he's still the anointed of God, and we let God meet that out. Yep. And then uh, it rains. Well, then it rains, and it opens up. And I do feel like when we break generational sin, like there are generational curses that we must deal with, and we break, and then the Lord opens up freedom for Mm -hmm. us, um, and he's gracious with us. Well, by this time, I think this section, the last section we're looking at today in chapter 21, you see David's just getting old. Yes. You know, David's been through a lot now. I mean, Mm -hmm. think about it. Since he's 16... He's been in the middle of a lot of things, and he's had some years of nice niceness, but he's trying to reverse what he did with Bathsheba, and I'm going to be out there with you guys. I'm no more hanging around, acting <clears throat> like I'm king. That was bad for me. The problem is, there's still a lot of giants out there. There's at least three kind of different lines mm-hmm. of Goliath types, and they want to kill David. Yeah, so the Philistines kind of re-up their campaign against Israel, and again, I... I was thinking about this yeah. and going like, wait, what? where are these guys? Like, they were just hanging around and now they muster up their forces again on the coast. And, and what, what I'm remembering is the Philistines are like from islands. Yeah. In the, and so they are kind of like Viking raiders. Yeah. And so they like come from other, like they have home bases elsewhere. They and show then, up during and certain seasons. And they show yeah. up on the coastline. And so I'm... It would be reasonable to assume that these are just like the fresh new raiders of like, hey, you know what? Let's go back into that uh, Canaan land. That was a great land, and so they show back up with new, new giants, new warriors, and and God's people had never fully. They weren't supposed to really eradicate all of the Philistines. Mm-hmm. So therefore, the story, the huge story we've heard over and over again is David killed his ten thousands. Yeah. And this David guy, so imagine the little giants, mm-hmm. the little Andre the Giants are growing up hearing about, David, this guy killed our greatest warrior, Goliath. And then so you grow up with this fantasy, I will kill this man and be the greater, greater than Goliath. And so... That's an interesting giant voice. Yeah, I figured they have low... Slow voices. Big vocal cords, uh-huh. big sounds, slower words. Got it. Everything's bigger and more difficult. So um, that's how I interpreted it, Matt. Good. Anyway, three accounts, a weaver's beam, spear, all this great stuff, until finally... Well, the first one was like, I'm going to kill David. Yeah. And then Abishai steps in, helps David, and they kill that giant. And that's where they're like, hey, David. Please uh, get out. We need you... Uh, not on the front lines anymore. Yeah, you're the light. You're holding this thing together. Um, so, And then uh, then we get like two other stories of two other great warriors of David's mighty men, who yeah. we'll get a list of later, um, killing two of the other giants. And again, it's just showing like... They're getting a chance to be like David. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Like, yeah. So, but it's also cool to see David is constantly <laughs> under attack. A man after God's own heart... 
you're going to be attacked. Mm-hmm. You're baptized, loved, love God believer. You're going to, ha- we're going to have times of being weary, times of going through tough stuff, and you're going to have to understand the forgiveness <laughs> and the love of Christ, and you're going to need help and people to speak into you to say, hey, take a break right now, you know, mm-hmm. all these great things. But David is hanging on. He's, yeah. And, uh, all right. I think that's good for today. Mm-hmm. Our New Testament reading for today is Acts, chapter 7, verse 44, through chapter 8. So Stephen, sweet Stephen, one of the deacons, is, like, been arrested by the uh, Sadducees and the Pharisees. He's been accused of not knowing the law of Moses. And now he has given a, an amazing summation of the history of all the people of Israel. And he is now in verse 44, <laughs> finishing up the history. He sticks the landing. <laughs> and really... It, you could look at this speech by Stephen in chapter 7 for... I think for... A, it's almost a resource. Yeah. To help your theology of the Old Testament, like mm-hmm. the theology of God's people and what really was coming out of that, you could use chapter seven to guide you through all that because he does such a great job of connecting God raising up his people, sending a prophet better than Moses. And then he sticks the landing with. Um, 51. Yeah, you stiff necked people, uncircumcised in your heart and ears. And again, that's like language from the prophets. Yeah. You always resist the Holy Spirit, check. You, uh, as your fathers did, so do you. Check. What did they do? Well, the prophets, what prophet did your fathers not persecute? (laughs) Is the question. (laughs) Like, it's like Stephen is so in the spirit and like, can you name one? Oh, his face is also shining. Yeah, his face is shining like Moses. They think that's some trick. Like, you're trying to look like you're from God. And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one. So you have not betrayed and murdered. You've betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. So, I mean, that's the landing. He sticks. He gets a gold medal because they are so enraged. They're grinding their teeth. But he's full of the spirit. He does exactly the opposite thing that everybody who's about to die by a mob does. Yeah. I know for me, whenever I'm surrounded by a mob about to die, the first thing that goes is control over my bladder. <laughs> And obscene, like, insane, like, please, no, 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 I'm sorry, I'll renounce, I'll do it. But instead, filled with the Holy Spirit, he just looks into heaven and he sees the glory of God, Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he says, to make them even more upset, I mean, just his calmness, yes. his shining face, his smiling face would make them mad. But he, he just looks and he says, oh, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And that's when they were like, Stop him. They're plugging their ears. They're like, you are insanely blasphemous. And they cast him out of the city. They take him out of the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, they stone him. They stone him. They throw rocks at him until he's dead. Saul, little baby Saul is there holding the jackets. He's a part of this. He's an mm-hmm. up-and-coming st- student of Gamaliel. Yep. He's approving of this, saying, I can't, I'm not old enough to throw rocks, but I'll hold your jackets. Yep. Thanks, Saul. You're going to be great. <laughs> You're going to be great. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then of all the absurd things, Stephen just says, Jesus, receive my spirit. 
and falling to his knees, he cries out, much like Jesus. He says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And then he fell asleep and died. I mean, to the end, he's saying the name of Jesus, which they want to shut up. And then he's like offering forgiveness, the thing that they can't stand. Like, you can't do that. And it's for amazing. them. Yeah, so it's pretty amazing. And I figured out that statement. It's the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Yeah, the seeds of the church. Like from the blood of these martyrs, the church will grow. Mm-hmm. Well, chapter 8 then. Anything you want to say about no, Stephen? Other no. than, wow. That talk about a spirit of boldness and a spirit of, he is the messenger saying, hey, <clears throat> the war is over. We've won. I'm ex- proving to you that I've seen the battle and I've seen the victory. And they decide to reject him so he doesn't go out and tell anybody else this, this stuff about the war being over. Mm-hmm. And uh, this actually starts Saul up on his little rampage. Yeah. It, 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 <clears throat> it does. It, like, we meet Saul, and now Saul is um, set up as, like, the next great persecutor of the church. Which is fascinating. Um, so this is where interesting ties start being made like thinking of like gene- genealogy and everything yeah. so Saul is a Benjamite <laughs> is is like he's of the tribe of King Saul and he's kind of acting like King Saul right. going around persecuting the Lord's anointed and uh, he also again Be- Benjamin the thing said about Benjamin by uh, Jacob on his deathbed is Benjamin is a ravenous wolf, and this very much applies to Saul in every aspect of his life, even after his conversion. He is a ravenous wolf. Yeah. I think, too, reading it this time, Saul is a young guy, and he can't probably break into the old man business of being rabbi mm-hmm. yet, Right. but a new market has just opened up, Yeah. and he's like, he sees it. He's like, oh, how about I go house to house purging all these Christians because after Stephen, this is the persecution begins. Yes. And so Saul is going to spearhead this. Not only is he an opportunist, but he does have a zeal to shut these people up. Yeah. And, uh, but as a result, God, what is intended for evil, God turns for good. Mm-hmm. And this is where I see really the, um, the persecution of the church then causes it to scatter. Yeah, and spread out. I know for me... Um, I hate it when bad things happen, but I look back over my life and bad things have caused me to take next steps uh-huh. in moving because, you know, it'd be so fun to be around the apostles. It's so fun mm-hmm. to be in Jerusalem. This is where it's all happening. Everyone will come to this city. And that's how it was all set up in the past. Yes. But Jesus has clearly said, no, you got to go out. Yeah. So with the power of the Holy Spirit and now some persecution to kick your butts a little bit, yeah. they scatter. And they go to the regions of Judea and Samaria. Except the apostles. The apostles stay in Jerusalem. Right. That's interesting. Well, Philip, though, goes to Samaria. And remember, Samaria was formerly like, why is Jesus even walking through Samaria? Now we're seeing ministry there. Not only are they ministering and announcing the gospel, but we're seeing unclean spirits come out of people. We're seeing many healings. And there's much joy in that city. God's restoring the... um, the half-breed children of Samaria. Yeah, you lost, know what I mean? The lost tribes of Israel. But I, this little story sneaks in here. At, I think I think this story about Simon the magician yes. is to show kind of the challenges we're going to face mm-hmm. uh, as the Holy Spirit goes out and makes his church. Mm-hmm. And we already saw a challenge with Ananias and Sapphira. People kind of inside the church yes. going to manipulate and misuse power and mm-hmm. lie. 
not good. But there's going to be people who are converted, and you got to uh, not only baptize them, but you got to disciple them. Yes. And so Simon the magician, apparently he's like some kind of wizard guy, does tricks, does things, taps into probably demonic power, and mm-hmm. has a certain amount of authority in the area. But he sees, um, he sees Simon. He sees Peter. He sees. Well, at first he's just with Philip, and yeah, he's seeing right. what Philip's doing. And he's seeing all the people of the town convert and get has, baptized. He has and he, power. And he's like, whoa. And so he gets baptized and follows Philip around. And because and he's realizing the power of the Holy Spirit that Philip has is greater than what he has access to. And so he's just he's watching him around and is amazed. And then the apostles at Jerusalem hear, hey, good things are happening in Samaria. And they can't believe it. So they go in. Peter and John go in to show up. Yeah. And... They hear, too, also, that Philip is baptizing these people, but they're not being full of the Holy Spirit, like, in the way to go out and do miracles and yeah, <clears throat> and it's an interesting, preach with authority. Yeah. It is an interesting uh, section. But, uh, so, Peter and John come out, and they begin to lay hands on all the people who have been baptized, and they get, they are filled with the Holy Spirit, and... Simon is starting to think, oh, well, I want that authority. That's an apostolic position. Yeah. How can I get that position to where I can now lay hands on people <laughs> so that they can get the Holy Spirit? Yeah. And so he's like, what, what can I pay for? Like, I'm going to buy. And he starts to like trying to buy his way into the ranks of the apostles. Yeah, give me this power that I can lay hands on people and see him fill. Yeah, because Peter references silver. <laughs> I think of the guy he healed, like, I don't have silver or gold to give yeah. you, but I have, in the name of Jesus, get up. This time he says, you know what? May your money die with you. <laughs> you think you can obtain the gift of, of God with money? And so he's like, your heart isn't right. Repent. So he offers, he goes, look, I can see in your face, Simon, you are still confused about where this power mm-hmm. is from and what you believe. You need to repent. And um, you, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. Yeah. Now, his response is better than Ananias and Sapphira. Simon, the magician, at least says, oh, dear God, Peter. He at least understands Peter's power. And I don't know if he understands God's power yet, but he understands Peter. Like, Peter, will you pray that none of that stuff you just said happens? Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's kind of where we end with that guy. Yeah. That's a challenge. Um, people are going to misunderstand the power. But then the other challenge is, how is the gospel going to go out to the uttermost parts of the earth? Mm -hmm. And then the second part of this chapter 8, you have Philip, where God supernaturally allows Philip to show up. Well, no, he just goes. Well, he goes. Yeah, that's right. He goes. That's not supernatural yet. Um, Supernatural comes at the end. You're right. He goes. And again, Philip is obedient. The last place he probably wants to go is down near Gaza, which is near Egypt. Mm -hmm. All the action is happening in Samaria. Yeah, he's like building this sweet church in Samaria, yeah. and now God's like, cool, we're done here. Go, yeah. to, go down to a desert and go find one person. And what's the best way to kill a ministry? He's yeah. like, man, my ministry's blossoming. Cool, you're done here. Pass it off to the next guy. But no one likes the next guy. <laughs> uh, yeah. So And so he has him go down to, like, he has to travel a really long way yeah. for this. Like, it's like it's, 60 miles or mm-hmm. 30 miles, I can't remember now, but it's... It's, it's many miles of a walking. And so he goes um, down to the desert and sees a, uh, an Ethiopian in a chariot. Yeah. Uh, and he is reading out loud 
the scripture of Isaiah. Yeah, so apparently uh, Christianity or Judaism had gone down, those strands that had gone down into Egypt and all that stuff. And so this, this kind of powerful, he, he has power to a king back yeah, in or a queen, a queen, a queen yeah. back in, in, in Egypt or mm-hmm. Ethiopia. And so um, he's reading the scriptures, but he's, I love how Philip now is empowered. He's following the spirit, but he's, he has the, the answer to the question. And the question is, what am what, I reading? What am I reading? Yeah. Is this, did the guy who wrote this die for people or is there one to come? Mm-hmm. What is, who is the sheep that was led to the slaughter? Yes. For all of us to take away, you know, what, what is this? And that's where Philip is. Uh, he told him about Jesus. He opened his mouth and beginning with the scriptures, he told him the good news. See, he's a messenger of the good news mm-hmm. uh, about Jesus. And then the, the, the eunuch says, there's water. He wants to be baptized into this. Yes. He's like, I want to be into Jesus. Yes. It's interesting. It's really cool. And then, so this, the, the tie to the great commandment is go baptize all nations. Mm-hmm. And so you see the fulfillment of that happening here. And baptism will tie you. It's God's promise to be with you. Mm-hmm. He marks you as his own. You have faith and you've come to faith or there's the promise of faith on you and... Uh, with the word, the water becomes um, something more powerful than just water. And the Spirit of the Lord then carries Philip away. He's like, good. Now this guy will go down to his land and spread <clears throat> Christianity. Mm-hmm. And then Philip found himself at Azotus. And then he continues to preach the gospel yeah. in the towns until he came to Caesarea. Mm-hmm. So this thing is going out now through persecution, through supernatural, through kind of seeing all sorts of characters. Yeah. We're seeing the, the Holy Spirit now uh, equipping people and leading people. And it tells us something about the work and the function of the church and even our work and function, that we're going to be people who follow the Spirit of God. And it's not always easy, but uh, there's life in it. Mm-hmm. All right. All Anything right. else? No. All right. Bring us home, Matt. Today I'm going to read Psalm chapter 73, verses 1 through 14. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pains until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through their fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease, they increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. Boom, you've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.